When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing today, buddy? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I got the high school going here. Oh. Well, I would say go Red Raiders, because when I was there, they were the Red Raiders, but now they're the Red Hawks, so go Red Hawks. A little bit of a name change. You should have told me. I would have wore my, my high school stuff. Go go Longwood, which people – people always your team name? Uh, the Lions. Our logo was literally just the Detroit Lions logo, but green. But, hey, <laughs> IC champs, Long Island champs, let's go, baby. There was another school by me back then. Uh, it was Robbinsville. They were the Ravens, and it was just the Baltimore Ravens logo, but red. So our, One of our rivals was the Ward Melville Patriots, and their logo is exactly what you think it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The, probably the same one, two same colors. But now that we're done reminiscing about high school, uh, we got some Jets talk for you. It's a little bit – it's silly season if we're being honest, because there are some rumors that just I I had to like check to make sure I wasn't in some sort of coma because I was surprised that they kind of got the traction that they did. Uh, We're going to get into that. One of them quarterback related, one of them not quarterback related. Uh, We're going to get into some cap casualties. That'll be a big chunk of time or cap casualties the Jets could possibly target and our weekly draft spotlight as always. So thank you guys for tuning in. Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all those platforms and YouTube at the Jet Press. Likes really help and reviews on Apple Podcasts, they really help if you want to boost us up that algorithm so that we can go and pay for our second palatial mansion in the south of France. That'll be <laughs> that we have definitely earned from this podcast. You're, you're making some more money than me, man. You're making more than I am. <laughs> oh, they didn't tell you? I don't know oh, where that man. is. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, now that this has been now this revelations out there. Let's just dive right into the content because we got more quarterback rumors. And I'm like, oh, great. They're being linked to a Washington Commanders quarterback. Well, it's not the Washington Commanders quarterback you're thinking of. Uh, It's Sam Howell. And I know Justin may make mention of this too, where Connor Hughes was the one who kind of spilled the beans on Sam Howell. Justin will probably mention this about how it wasn't really a definitive statement. It wasn't really the Jets are looking at Sam Howell. It was very much the Jets think Sam Howell could be good. Which is, you know, not that declarative, but maybe I'm of the mindset too. Where Connor Hughes is an insider who gets told a hundred different things. Like, I think the fact that that at least got out there, I know it was a direct response to Sam Howell, but the way it was phrased to me, like, he didn't really shoot it down. He could have said the Jets aren't looking at Sam Howell, even though they might like him. Like, it, it got out there. And I really can't, I don't know why they would even really consider this because it's the philosophy of it all. Because if you want to get Sam Howell as a QB3, which is not going to happen, by the way, because they would have to trade for him, and the commanders have shown no inclination. They want to get rid of him. They're probably going to have him back up either Drake May or Caleb Williams. Then it's whatever, but literally everything Connor was saying about Sam Howell was stuff we heard about Zach Wilson, which is, oh, we can learn under Aaron Rodgers, and he's very talented. They think his best football is ahead of him. Like I was getting PTSD for a second. Because it was the exact same philosophy that led him to Wilson. So there's got to be somebody in that front office 
that likes Howell. And again, he's talented. I think he was leading the league in passing yards going into like week nine or something like that. 21 touchdowns last year. Again, the problem though, 21 interceptions, 65 sacks, both of which led the league by a lot. I mean, that was the, he was running away with that. His last, I think, five starts, he threw 12 interceptions. Not good. We saw him on Christmas Eve. Sam Howell was awful. He got benched, and when Jacoby Brissett came in, the offense looked great, and they almost won. I can't see a scenario where he ends up with the Jets, but this is this rumor is spread. And again, I think Hughes put that out there for a reason, where he's trying to let people know that there is a chance, a small one, that Howell could end up with the Jets because the Jets like him a lot. But it would be unlikely, number one, and if it did happen, it would drive me crazy, number two, because this is the exact same thing we did last year with Wilson. You uh, you know me well, Mike, because the first thing I'm going to say is I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, I don't think it was put out with any intent. Uh, it was basically Connor Hughes, SNY, was responding to – was he was doing a mailbag or whatever. Somebody asked him about Sam Howell and was like, hey, you think the Jets would pursue Sam Howell? Connor was like, I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. I like speaking from his perspective, his own opinion. I, don't. <laughs> I know you don't, but he, his opinion was that he likes the idea, thinks it's a really good idea. And he goes, I do know that there are some within the Jets building that believe he can play. That was the exact quote he used, believe he can play. That was the extent of what he said that the Jets are like interested in Sam Howell. Obviously, it is the middle of February. There is nothing going on, Mike. People take something like that, they see that quote, and they run with it, and they're like, oh, the Jets are looking at Sam Howell as a backup quarterback. They want they want to trade for Sam Howell. I would be very, very surprised if they did that. Now, that being said, I'm not as against it as you are. I think Sam Howell is a better quarterback, or at least has – yeah, I would say I think he's a better quarterback than you are giving him credit for. Uh, I have long said on this show and then elsewhere that turnovers are overrated if you can combine them with – big time throws with the, you know, the, the big time plays, the tight window throws, the, just the big plays, right? I've said the turnovers overrated if you can do that. And Sam Howell last season was like a perfect example of that. He ended up finishing at, you know, take PFF numbers for what they're worth. He finished top 10 in big time throws amongst all quarterbacks. He had more big time throws by via PFF than CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and, uh, yeah, those guys. I mean, you could be like, you know, Justin Fields, whoever else. Like, those guys, right? Now, obviously, he's not a better quarterback than them because he also by far led the league in turnover-worthy plays by a good margin, five more than any other player. He had 31. The next highest was your boy Desmond Ritter, who had 26. No one even in the stratosphere in turnover-worthy plays. So Sam Howell, he went full-on Jameis Winston last year. But the upside, yeah, as Brian said in chat, more uh, more big-time throws than Aaron Rodgers. More big-time throws than a four-time MVP, Mike. How do you not like this guy? Well, um, I mean, we were equal to him last year, so me and you both. So. That's true. Yeah, I don't I don't think he had a, a single big-time throw in his uh, – He didn't have any turnover-worthy plays either. So That's true. That's true. He did take a sack, though. Uh, and we, So we were sacked most times than Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I, I like Sam Howell, I think, more than you. That being said, you have to give up assets to get him, and that's where the pause comes for me. Uh, I think the appealing part of him is he's on an incredibly cheap contract for the next two years. You get him for, I think, under $1 million against the cap each of the next two years, which is huge for the Jets that are trying to spend in other places. If they want a competent backup for a cheap contract, Sam Howell is that. The issue is you have to give up assets to get him. And like you said, I don't think the commanders are particularly interested in moving him at this time. Technically, as of right now, he is still their de facto starter. I know everyone expects them to draft a replacement. They almost definitely will. But as of right now, he is still their starter. 
And I think that the commanders are also looking at this from the same perspective as the Jets as he's a very cheap start. He's a very cheap backup. I think he is a, a, a good backup. Uh, I, I think he's a good backup and he's got a, a very affordable contract. And I think that's appealing to the commanders. So I would be surprised if they had any interest in moving him. It would probably take a, I want to say a significant haul because it's still a backup quarterback, but something more than I would be willing to give up if I were the Jets, especially with their limited draft capital. But in theory, if it didn't take assets to get him, I would love the idea because of his contract and because I think he can play. Like I, I mean, I, maybe I agree with the Jets. I, I, I think that Sam Howell can play. Uh, I prefer someone like a Jacoby Brissett. I prefer even a Gardner Minshew, but given the contract and given what I believe his talent level is, I don't think it'd be the worst idea if he didn't have to give up assets. Turnovers are overrated at that point you made. They're overrated if you're like a Josh Allen when you're winning, like despite sure. of that, and you play this reckless style. When you're losing, then that's a very easy thing to point to as to why you're not winning. Like that's why Jameis became a meme in Tampa Bay was because they kept going 500 or below that most of the time. And how – like I'm not saying the commanders were any good last year. I mean I projected them before the year to get the number one pick, and they got two. So they were pretty close. Uh, but you could see that they're, they were being held back because their offense was not that huge. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, Tarrant McLaurin, that, like they had actual infrastructure there. And it felt like for a, for a while they were hot earlier in the year. They were like 500 going into the halfway point. You're like, okay, they got something here. And then just careened off a ravine and completely were dead in the ditch after that. And I, yeah, because of that, I just can't see how. Like the way it ended too, how we just kept getting worse. That's what also gives me pause because he got benched and then he would have been benched, but Brissett got hurt. So he had to come back in. Like that, he, it wasn't like Zach Wilson or, or even after the rookie or even Darnold after the Gacy where it's like, oh, he finished strong and then you get some high. Like the opposite of that happened. That's why I'm pessimistic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I get that. And I think, like, I'm not saying that he is a, a good starting quarterback because he's not. No, I'm not even saying he's a starting caliber quarterback at this stage. Uh, but I, I view him in a similar light to how I do Jameis Winston. I think Winston is better than Sam Howell at this stage, but I view him in a similar way in that he's a super, super volatile quarterback. Uh, but I'm okay with that in some instances as my backup. Like, I don't necessarily think that it's always in the best interest to have – a, a game manager who doesn't make mistakes but doesn't do anything good at, at all as your backup. I'm okay with the guy who takes some chances as long as he supports it and backs it up with some big plays where you're like, oh, dang, this guy can actually play. He can do this stuff. I think Sam Howell is that kind of player. But ultimately, I, I agree. Like It's it's not going to happen for the Jets. They're much more likely to go up there a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who I know DJ Reed – Shout out DJ Reed because he recently tweeted out about Jacoby Brissett. I believe he was responding to a tweet about the Sam Howell rumors, and he quote tweeted it and was like, cough, Brissett, cough, or whatever he said. is like, you know, Brissett. Uh, so clearly, I think he would want Jacoby Brissett over Sam Howell, as would I, because it just uh, you won't have to give up draft capital to get him. And, and he's better. <laughs> and he's better. I agree. I, I genuinely, Jacoby Brissett starts on five to seven teams in the NFL last year. If he was, I, he was. 
he was the best quarterback on his roster, on his own team. I know I'm talking about Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett is better than Sam Howell. He was the better quarterback in Washington last year. He just didn't start. Uh, but that's not because he wasn't better. And he starts over, I'm sorry, he starts over your boy Desmond Ritter. He starts over Bryce Young. He starts over, I mean, we'll, we'll exclude the Jets because they were supposed to have Aaron Rodgers. But there's there's quite a few teams that Jacoby Brissett would have been the starting quarterback on last year. Uh, I believe he's a starting caliber quarterback. I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity, unfortunately. But I'd love it if they brought him in. You know, we've talked about it a lot, guys. Like Minshew, Ryan Tannehill makes a ton of sense. I know when we're talking about our cap, when we're going to talk about our cap casualties later, you have somebody you're going to bring up as well that could fit that that backup quarterback mold. Um, but as for Sam Howell, I'd support it. I just wouldn't want to give up any real significant assets to do it, which makes me think it's it's just not it's not feasible. Let's go from one nonsense rumor to another nonsense rumor, even more nonsensical rumors, some might more, say. I agree. This one's more nonsensical. I this agree. one's even crazier because you don't even have just football stuff. You have – what, what's even the word for that? Not extracurricular. I mean, off-field, personal, sure. legitimate all beef, hate between yep, all, him and maybe the most visible Jets reporter. So Jamal, I know Connor Hughes coming up a lot on this show right now, but it's, it's Shout out Connor. Connor does so, great. Work. Shout out Connor, he does great work. We're gonna get into cap casualties. One guy that seems like almost a formality is Jamal Adams. Uh, there is a chance I think he stays, mostly because Mike McDonald comes from Baltimore. Uh, they run a lot of three safety stuff. Uh, for fun fact, I've been doing a lot more Baltimore Ravens coverage with fan sided, so that's been my been diving into that lately. So we've, we've both done that now. We both we both covered the Ravens. Yep. So they they do as much three safety stuff as any team in the league. So maybe there's a chance that Jamal Adams will stay. But new defense, new scheme, new coach. Probably want to get a lot of the old guard out of there. I could see Adams getting cut, especially because he's expensive and he's not as good as he once was. He was an All Pro safety. He is not an All Pro safety anymore. So now that he's probably going to get cut, I'm seeing a lot of come back to the Jets, come back to the Jets. Let's just separate it. Let's forget everything else about Jamal Adams. Forget the way he left. Forget the things he said. Forget the things. Forget his player. Like Let's just look at Jamal Adams in a box, the player. He's, in, he's pretty much a box safety at this point. The covered skills, they weren't as bad as people said they were early in his career. Now they yeah. are. Like There's Agreed. a legitimate decline. Like, it was a meme early on. I'm like, all right, that's unfair. Now it's justified because he's clearly lost a step. Not his fault. He's gotten injured a ton, but that's played into it. He has gotten injured a ton. He basically missed most of two whole years in a row due to injuries. And then when he came back this year, he got hurt again in his first game. I remember they were playing the Giants on Monday night. So he got that. He'd pretty much be in the box, which you have Quincy Williams. You have C.J. Mosley. You don't really need that. You need somebody who's better in coverage, like maybe a Geno Stone from the Raven, that'd probably be a better addition to your safety room than Jamal Adams. And he's, you already got even backups like that. Like you got a lot of your backup linebackers are converted safeties. Like they're, they're Jamal Adams clones. You already got guys like that. You don't need another Jamal Adams. And he's probably going to have an expensive price tag. Hasn't had a pick in a couple years. Hasn't had a sack since he set the record for sacks in a season by a defensive back. Hasn't had a sack since then. Declining player. Now let's bring in the other stuff where he forget burning the bridges. I mean, he just he threw napalm on them. He repurposed them as as shipping equipment. He did the worst things you could ever do to a bridge when he left New York. And people were not. I get why he was frustrated. I wouldn't want to play for Adam Gase either. I'd want a new contract too. The reasons are what it is. But he did not leave in the right way. People were not upset to see him go. 
And it seems like he's kind of poisoned the well there. And then you throw it on top of that. Hey, I'm going to respond to Connor Hughes critiquing me playing badly against the Cowboys by saying his wife's ugly. Like, you, you don't do that. As a, as a man, you don't do that. That's that's ridiculous. I can't I can't find a good reason to bring him back. I could see adding a safety. I could see adding a guy day two on the, on the draft, something like that. Maybe even a cheaper free agent signing, but not this. Don't don't put yourself through it. In, in the offseason, that's all supposed to be about quieting the noise and refocusing on Aaron Rodgers. You're going to bring this time bomb in a locker room? I I don't get it. I don't get it. I like the little thumbs up there. That was that was good. There, uh, right. Thumbs down, there yeah. Go, Jamal. That's, <laughs> that's what I think of the idea of Jamal. <laughs> I love that it does that. Uh, yeah, I mean – Look, I'm going to try and be as unbiased about this as possible, even ignoring everything off the field, even ignoring how his his exit with the Jets happened and the the bridges he has burned, he is doused in gasoline and torched, like even ignoring all of that. Are we sure he's a better player than Jordan Whitehead at this stage? Because I'm not at all. Like, I'm not. I don't think that's me being biased. I don't think he's a better player than Jordan Whitehead at this stage. Even if he is, it's slight. Right. And and on top of that, Jordan Whitehead's played in 34 games, all 34 games over the last two years. Jamal Adams hasn't appeared in twelve ga- more than 12 games in a season since he was with the Jets in 2019. He has missed – he's played in 12 or fewer games every year since leaving the Jets. The injury concerns, the, the declining play, that's enough alone to make me be like – yeah, I would like to see the Jets go in a different direction in safety, many other directions. Hell, they have three players in their roster that I'd rather be back. And I don't want Jordan Whitehead necessarily back as a starter in 2024, but I do think he'd be better than Jamal Adams, not only because he might be a better player, but he's significantly more durable, significantly more durable. Uh, I'd rather Ashton Davis back, and I'd rather Chuck Clark be back. I'd rather them go out and sign a guy like Darnell Savage. And this is all just talking about who Jamal Adams is as a player, his injury history and his declining play factoring in the off-field stuff and the fact that he basically just, like you said, he, he torched the bridge with the Jets. He torched the bridge. And it's not like, like, oh, yeah, he didn't want to play for Adam Gase. Adam Gase is gone. Joe Douglas is still here. Joe Douglas remembers everything that happened. Adams was was out there roasting Joe Douglas to Manish Mehta. Like, that's – Oh, I forgot. You're right. It was that, Manish. Remember, that alone. I forgot about yeah. the Manish factor. That remember alone Jamal, should disqualify you. Jamal Adams ran to Manish Mehta, formerly of the New York Daily News, and, and did like a whole exclusive interview, interview while he was under contract with the Jets saying how much he hated the playing for the Jets. While he was under contract. This man did everything to get out and look, whatever. If he wanted out, fine. It ended up working out for the Jets. Happy for the Jets. I was happy for Adams at the time. My opinion has changed slightly because he's just – he has definitely not made smart decisions as of late uh, with his social media activity and everything else. But I, I even if you ignore all of that stuff, as a player, given his injury history and his declining play, I, I have no interest. I, I have zero interest. See, I'm seeing a comment here too from Charles in chat. You could bring Jamal Adams in on a cheap contract. What? Like he's – he'd what? either have to A, swallow his pride, which he has never done ever – and take a, a one-year minimum, like, prove-it deal kind of thing, number one. I don't think that's happened. Or number two, you're going to have to pay probably, I'm not even kidding, probably close to eight figures for a declining player. I don't even, even if it's, like, one-year five million, I'm not interested. Am I crazy for saying that? Like, I'm not. I'm, I'm just, I don't think he's good. I, I, I really don't. Yeah, yikes is right. 
Yikes, Jamal Adams. I just I just don't I don't think he's good at this point. Uh on top it's, of it again. It's also not like I saw some people comparing it to for the Yankee fans that like Marcus Stroman with the Yankees, where he had some beef with them and he ripped Brian Cashman, the idea of playing in New York, and now he signed. It's like, look, I'm just I was just angry. I'm a competitor. I want to win. And that they kind of got to me. I'm fine now. I got my money. Like, let's try to win. Like, that's not bad because he wasn't there. He wasn't there already right. and then pissed everybody off and then left and came back. Like, that was an outsider yeah. on a rival, Toronto, ripping somebody else. Like, that's totally different. This is – I can't imagine a situation – has there been something like this recently in the NFL? I don't think Where a guy not, just completely burns the bridges and then comes back and it's like, hey, we're all good, right? Not I, I can't remember same, if there has been one. Not with the same regime. Like, definitely not. Like, if, if Joe Douglas wasn't here, if the Jets had a different general manager, I would say maybe it's a possibility. Also, but the fact that when that happened, Woody Johnson wasn't even here. He was in the UK, so it was really Christopher Johnson. So if they had a different GM, different owner, essentially different head coach, sure, it's a different regime. That's completely different. Joe Douglas is still here. Joe Douglas and Jamal Adams did not end on good terms. I know Joe Douglas isn't necessarily one to hold personal vendettas, but I cannot imagine it would be very good for the, the psyche of that Jets locker room to bring back Jamal Adams after how he left this organization and after he went scorched earth to just be like, yeah, look, I don't want to play for the Jets. I don't want to play for Adam Gase. I don't want to play for Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas isn't valuing me. Like, why, why would the Jets have any interest in bringing that guy back for that reason? And then again, I don't care if he's on a cheap contract. I don't think he's worth it. Like, I, you, you sign him for one year, five million to be your third safety. Give me Ashton Davis for one year, three million. Like, I'd rather have that. I, I would much rather have that. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. He's at least it's dirt. funny too because all last year didn't we praise either Robert Sala or the Jets because it was like all oh, the defense stayed together they didn't blow their lid when the offense was playing that bad. There was never anything like too public about everybody's ripping the offense from the defense. They kept it together. Imagine if Jamal Adams was on that team. You think he's shutting up? No way. If Zach Wilson's going eleven of nineteen with a pick again, you think he's going to be quiet? No, no way. This is the same organization that didn't want to sign DeAndre Hopkins because they thought he had character concerns. Yeah, especially <laughs> him and Sal. He's too big, like angry guy, head to head. Imagine those that those practice. Even Olbrich, Olbrich as well. Olbrich's like Olbrich that. too, yeah. Yeah, it, it would be nuts. Like again, same organization that didn't want to sign DeAndre Hopkins because of perceived character concerns, which I've yet to see those. What even would they be? Is it just like he doesn't practice hard? Did I ever like say what those were? That's yeah, that was the rumor that teams didn't like it, that he was dogging it in practice and whatever. Cool. Oh, yeah. All right. But in games, he's getting 1,200 yards. Okay. All right. I'm not, that the is, way teams think amazes me sometimes. It's pretty wild. That's why they, you know, they've got Alan Lazard. He tries hard. Let's just sign him. Randall Cobb, Nicole Hardman. Um, but yeah, that's, again, that's, the one thought Lazard was going to get 200 yards. Oh, yeah, that yeah. That, that's a whole different rant. But yeah, I, it's the Jamal Adams stuff's not going to happen. I like if, you, if you're a Jets fan who wants him back, good for you, man. Like you can, you can put aside a grudge. I don't even think I'm being biased or having a grudge with this situation just as a player. He's not good. He's not good at this stage, and he gets hurt. He provides no value to the Jets that the safeties currently on their roster, who aren't great by any means, don't already provide. So let's move on to cap casualties that are actually semi-realistic and won't ignite a firestorm in the locker room the first time the quarterback overthrows a ball and it's, ah, what's going on here? Like That won't happen because uh, there are going to be a lot of cap casualties in the next couple of weeks and months and all that. that we starting now. Come out. And the Jets got to scoop some of them up. I know they're kind of financially in a little bit of a bind, and they can't just splash the cash unlimitedly to just restock everywhere, but 
they got to make some really specific targeted additions that I think could be really important for this team. Uh, the, the first one I'm going to bring up is actually a quarterback, and it's a guy that I've ripped before, honestly. But I just think backup quarterback's the top – even with the offensive line, backup quarterback I think is the top priority right now. you got to get a good one. I don't think this guy's staying. And that's Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo was horrible with the Raiders, which yeah. I called because I knew this was a Kyle Shanahan product if I ever saw one. Yep. And they gave him a three-year deal, and then he got hurt immediately, and he was bad and turned the ball over. Like, it, it was not good. But again, let's look at the positives, too, for Jimmy Garoppolo. It sounds weird coming from me, but he was in a Josh McDaniels offense. And despite the fact that they had a rookie in Aiden O'Connell and a guy who'd never been a head coach before, or even a coordinator before in Antonio Pierce, the offense got a lot better as soon as he left. And honestly, I think if Garoppolo was in, he probably would have played as good as Aiden O'Connell, if not a little bit better. Because I just think they got the main problem out of the room, which was McDaniels. So you got that. You have a history of him being very accurate. You have a history of him. Actually, for the arm he has, he tries and makes some pretty big throws. I know a lot of them were open because of Shanahan, but like he made, he made a couple plays. It wasn't just totally Shanahan on autopilot. And you're not going to have to pay an obscene amount of money. Like He got enough from the Raiders. I think he has enough self-awareness to realize nobody's going to give him a contract as a starter this year. Here he goes to the Jets where – Familiar scheme, San Francisco guys, Robert Sala, a lot of guys that he knows. He's behind a guy in Rodgers where he's not going to start, but that is not he, – he has a, an avenue to playing time because Rodgers could get hurt so easily. So it's not like you're just going to go play behind, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that where you know you're just glued to the bench no matter what. Like there's a chance if Rodgers gets hurt because he's 40 – that you got to step in. I think he'll take a pretty affordable contract and he'll give the Jets some security finally, the backup quarterback spot. Yeah, I don't hate the idea. Uh, I, I think ultimately with Jimmy G, I would still prefer other guys like a Jacoby Brissett, probably even a Gardner Minshew. I, I much like you, I am a, a resident Jimmy Garoppolo hater. I feel like I've, I've earned that moniker over the years. Uh, I just, he's, he's not. He's not a starting caliber quarterback. You know what? I, I think I put him in a similar tier to Ryan Tannehill, um, where I think that he's – Tannehill was better, but like Jimmy you know, G's like, like an upper 20s quarterback. Like, like now, like in 2020. Oh, like now, yeah, 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 yeah. 2024, now. now. Tannehill was better when they, when they were at their peaks or whatever you want to call it. But right now I'd put him in that same tier, whereas I think a guy like Brissett can be a low-end starter. I think a guy like Minshew can be – a fringe low-end starter. Garoppolo and Tannehill are probably just better off as backups at this stage, which is fine. Um, I, I would prefer somebody with a little bit more mobility, maybe like a Brissette. Not that Brissette's the most mobile guy, like a Brissette or a Minshew, who at least I think they're not total statues back there, like Garoppolo and like a Tannehill. But I don't hate the idea at all. I'm just saying that mostly because of the Jets' offensive line, and I just don't know what it's going to look like next year. And I, that's that's really what it comes down to. But I would – Brian in chat, though, really quick, brings up a good point that could influence the Minshew talk. What backup job is more appealing, the Jets or the Colts? Because, I mean, the Colts are going to start Anthony Richardson, but yeah, he's coming starting off Anthony Richardson this year, and then three games in he got hurt. He hurt his shoulder and he's out for the year. So, I don't – that's a tough one. Probably yeah. the Colts, honestly. It also just depends on like scheme. It depends on scheme. He has the familiarity, of course, with Salah, not necessarily with Shane Steichen. Obviously, Salah's not the one running the offense. And honestly, at this point, 
the the majority, the vast majority of the 49ers coaches that Salah brought over, at least on the offensive side of the ball, are gone. Like how many offensive coaches that like assistants that Salah brought over are still here? I well, well, it's all like Shanahan adjacent. It is. I I know. Analogy is going to be similar. It is. I'm just talking about like coaches he has familiarity with. Like Taylor Embry's gone. I don't, Zach Azani wasn't there, but uh, John Benton is gone. Obviously, Mike LaFleur is gone. So it's really just Sala. But, yeah, I think it just comes down to fit at that point. With the, It depends on the quarterback and which you know which offense they feel more comfortable in. I'd imagine he feels more comfortable with the Jets just because it's, like you said, a, a Shanahan-adjacent offense. It's a very similar offense to what he ran in San Francisco. But I don't know. That, that is a good question. Uh, both situations, you have a quarterback who is coming off a season-ending injury who is expected to be ready for week one, but – you never know. Uh, in one of the cases, you're really kind of going there as a mentor. The other one, you're going there as an insurance policy. So it really, it depends on what Jimmy Garoppolo would want if, you know, the dollar figures are equal. So another guy that I'm looking at, and then I'll probably let you run down some of your top ones, but another guy I really want to mention is a guy that I want to advocate for. And then I got another guy that I mentioned before to you before the show that it's kind of like a wild card. But one guy that I would advocate for if he was out there is Cam Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars are kind of in their kind of have a little mini Jets edge rusher situation on their hands where they got two dates to the prom kind of thing in that they have the veteran who's playing well, or at least okay, because I don't think he was as good this year as he was last year, but certainly a serviceable starting tackle, Cam Robinson. And then you draft a guy, or two guys actually, Walker Little and Anton Harrison, the latter of which was a first-round pick, uh, to replace him. I think Harrison was at right tackle last year, so I guess the plan would be probably Walker Little going to left tackle, maybe switch Harrison back over, and then you put Little at right tackle. I'm not sure what the plan was, but it seems unlikely that either Little or Harrison will be on the bench next year, which means Robinson's probably going to be cut. And you're not going to get high-end play, but you're really not going to get high-end play from any of the free agent tackles out there outside of Tyron Smith, who's a major injury risk. Uh, Robinson's missed some time in the last couple of years, but you have seven seasons pretty much, or at least six since he was hurt for the most of one year, six seasons of at least average to slightly above average offensive tackle play. You could get him in. He's probably not going to cost a ton. It's a little bit of a different scheme because one of the few teams that hasn't been corrupted by the, the Shanahan McVay virus that's sweeping over the NFL is the Jaguars because it's Doug Peterson, Andy Reedy stuff. So it would be a little bit of a change there, but – you certainly could do a lot worse at either of your tackle spots, and I think it's a realistic chance that he gets cut as opposed to more wishful thinking cuts. Yeah, I, I agree. If Cam Robinson actually squeaks free and, he, and the Jaguars do move on, and like you mentioned, they, they drafted a couple of tackles in recent years, so it makes sense. Uh, I would love the Jets to go and sign him. The, the one thing I'll disagree or at least, I don't know, push back on, I think it'll cost more than you think to get him. He is, what, 28 years old? I don't think it's going to be eight figures, is it? I, right now, Spo, so Spotrack's projection, you know, whatever, uh, not not necessarily gospel, but they project three years, forty six million, um, so fifteen million dollars a year. He's a twenty eight. I mean, he was franchise tagged what last year, right? He got the tag or two years ago, whatever it was. Uh, twenty eight years old, still a pretty solid tackle. Like I know he's had the injury issues the last couple of years. He had the meniscus, or I think it was a meniscus. It was a knee injury this past year. I know he only played like nine games. Um, but I think he's a solid player and he's only 28. If you're a average to above average starting tackle and you're only 28, you're going to get $15 million a year at, at least probably in free agency, just how the free agent market works. So it would be probably 
their big splash signing if they were to do that. If they were to sign Cam Robinson, that would mean I would imagine that they might go receiver in the first round. That would be my thing, my thinking, because uh, I think that would be your your big free agent signing. I'm not sure they'd be able to make another move at that level uh, in free agency. But if he were to shake free, I'm all for it. I think he's he would really he would realistically be one of the best options available. So I, I'm with you there. Then I got one more wild card, and then I'll let Justin do his top three. Because sure. this Go one's going to probably upset Justin. It'll probably upset Jets fans, but if he's free, the Jets are going to make a run at Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. Because I don't see the Chiefs keeping him because I think they're going to probably draft two receivers, honestly. I don't think – you could pencil it in right now or sharpie it in. They're going to take a wide receiver in the first round. I don't know who, but it's going to be one of them. They might take another in like the third round. That's how bad they need just young talent and verticality. I mean, this is Patrick Mahomes, and he had to dink and dunk his way to a Super Bowl. And it's Patrick Mahomes. Dink and dunk his way to a Super Bowl is, is just yeah, – Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, he, did. he had that one insane bazooka throw to Hardman that wasn't like 70 yards in the air, which was unbelievable. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's – I mean, part of it's Matt Nagy, and he stinks, and he's very conservative offensively. But the other part mm-hmm. of it, too, is they just – well, isn't Mahomes thrown deep? Nobody's open. The one guy who could get open deep was Valdez Scantling. And even then last year, he had drop issues. He dropped like 9% of his passes. And drop issues as a veteran, too, it's concerning. But there really aren't that ton of that many receivers out there who are affordable, number one, who Aaron Rodgers like. Because Aaron Rodgers seemed to like Valdez Scantling. I mean, he led the league in yards per catch with him once. That was one of his top downfield guys. And he's not going to break the bank. Like, if they get rid of him, they're going to consider it, I think. And I get that it would be better than what they had last year as a deep threat. That's not hard to do, but it, it would be. Who is there? Who was their deep threat last year? I don't it even know. Was, was, was it Malik Lazard. Taylor? It was Lazard. Lazard was I mean he was he was a healthy scratch. <laughs> like, I don't even I know. I guess who, it was Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I mean Garrett Wilson obviously is their everything, but if there was like a designated deep threat, who that Malik Taylor, who the hell is it? I I yeah, I agree that if, if the Chiefs let him go, which it does sound like that they will, they would save a decent amount of money, and I don't think he's worth the contract he has in Kansas City. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised at all if the Jets go out and, and attempt to sign him because he knows Aaron Rodgers. He knows Nathaniel Hackett. He's played in that system. All the same stuff that we heard last year. That doesn't mean it would be a good thing. I am very anti-Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I want this on record as of February 21st right now. If the Jets do sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling – I will not be a fan. Just like last year when I was that, – That's your breaking heart. point, really? Oh, I, I think that would be a fan of the Jets. I'm like, no, wow, no, that's your – No, no, no. I'm I, like, wow, that's a really dude. arbitrary breaking point. No, Marquez Valdez-Scantling after is not all, After all of this, you're like, they signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling? The hell with it. I'm I, I, it I sat through Christian Hackenberg, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that's where I draw the line. The line must be drawn here. Yeah, no, but I want it on record, just like I was on record last year, saying that I was not a huge fan of Al Mazar and I did not think he was an upgrade over Corey Davis. Said that on record on this show. I want it on record now that I'm not a fan of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I do not think he would be any clo- anywhere close to the upgrade that the Jets need. Uh, I was doing some research before the show just to solidify my own belief of Marquez Valdez-Scantling that I already had based on watching him. Uh, so ESPN Analytics has a thing that they like call a receiver rating. They base it on a score or a, a, a trio of ratings, open score, catch score, and yak score. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling last year ranked 149th, tied for 149th out of 153 receivers. The only players worse 
Uh, he was tied with Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. Was Lazard worse? Lazard was the worst receiver in football last year uh, via ESPN. Oh, the only other ones worse were uh, than Val- Valdez Scantling were Van Jefferson and Jonathan Mingo. So that is the Van tier Jefferson that we're might talking. Get signed, man. <laughs> I know there's a real chance that the Jets sign Van Jefferson because he's the son of their wide receivers coach, and Marquez Valdez Scantling because he's friends with their quarterback and wide res- and an offensive coordinator. Which would mean the Jets, as of this ranking list, would have three of the four worst receivers of football last year on their roster. That's a real. Devontae Parker could go for like a sixth. <laughs> I, I like. I I'm over here. I'm over here dreaming of Calvin Ridley. Just like last year, I was dreaming of DeAndre Hopkins. And they're just going to sign Marquez Valdez Scantling and Van Jefferson because they already hired all the coaches that I've gone on record for. I hate very few coaches, but like Hackett, Todd Downing, they yep. brought all the guys I don't like. Yep. Why wouldn't and, they do that? I, I will believe that the Jets will not do nepotism hires and nepotism signings when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it because they didn't do it last year. Every I, team I, does it. The good teams, the bad teams. Do. But at least if the Nepo hires are good and the Nepo signings are good, that's one thing, right? Like if, if Rodgers was like, hey, I'm really good friends with Devontae Adams and the Jets traded for Devontae Adams, cool, works for me. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, uh, uh, Van Jefferson because he's the son of Sean Jefferson? No, like I, no, please. No, I don't want Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's not a good receiver. He's not, He doesn't separate despite the fact that he's supposed to be this deep threat. He's a he's a, he's a, a, a very fast. He's He's – Got a good blend of size and speed. He's just, he doesn't separate. He has concentration drops. And he was quite literally, as of this ESPN analytics, the worst yak receiver in football last year. He does nothing well. I don't want him. Well, well, I will say the the first year with the Chiefs, he was a lot better. Sure. And and the whole offense around him was a lot worse. Again, the the Matt Nagy effect is real. And I think it also is just a snowball effect. When things start to go wrong in football, everyone ends up playing worse. Like that's true. But He's not good. Like, I'm not saying that he's absolutely garbage, but if, if you tell me the Jets sign him, what I think he's – like, I don't think he's going to have – I don't think he's going to be good with the Jets. I, I do I not want him to replace Lazard, but, like, I think that they could – he could have a role that could – you know, like, replace him be wide receiver too, but, like, out of – No. Like, he could have a role, I think. Because you're, you're stuck with Lazard already. Lazard is probably – I mean, he's – realistically, I would love him to be wide receiver four. He's probably going to be a wide receiver three, which if he bounces you think, back. You think they might just do that? You think they might just say, you know what? Like, I know we pay him a lot. Of, let's just eat the money. They let's can't. just. Like, they can't. Like, I just, I don't, well, if he's not wide receiver, they can't sign two decent, like decently high profile receivers in free agency to be their wide receiver two and three. They just can't. Like, they, they can't afford that. So it would be either they sign somebody and then draft somebody and then demote Lazard. But that's a lot of resources to pour into wide receiver, which I wouldn't hate. But I look, man. I just I I don't I don't want him on the Jets. I I don't. Please, please, just. So who do you want on the Jets? Well, I'm not going to start off with somebody I want on the Jets, but I'm going to start off with my first cap casualty with somebody that I think, in a similar light to Marquez Valdez Scantling, if he is released, which he almost definitely will be, the Jets are probably going to sign him or at least make some sort of an effort to sign him. And it's the obvious one, the most obvious cap casualty, David Bakhtiari. Uh, it is almost guaranteed that he's going to be released by the Green Bay Packers. I know I've seen some people say, like, maybe the Jets can trade for him, whatever. Why would they do that? He's going to be released. I know the Packers eat, like, $20 million in dead cap, but they're going to do it. Uh, he's going to be released. Obviously, he's very good friends with Aaron Rodgers. And because of that and because the Jets need a left tackle, there's going to be rumors out there that the Jets are going to try and make an effort to sign him. I don't think it would be very smart. Uh, the guy, I don't have the actual games played over here, but he is—he he's basically has like half of a knee left uh, at this stage of his career. 
He played in one game in two of the last three seasons. He has not appeared in more than 12 games any season since 2019, much like Jamal Adams. Uh, he came back last year. They were hoping he was healthy from the knee injury, played one game, and he just wasn't. I don't know what he has left at this stage. I have zero confidence that he would stay healthy for even half a season, let alone a full season playing on that MetLife turf. If you if you sign him, he better either be your backup left tackle or you have an extremely good insurance policy behind him because you just you can't rely on him. But if we're talking about cap casualties that the Jets will have interest in, he has to be atop the list. It's it's a shame. It's a shame because it's gonna happen. Probably. I know it's gonna happen. Like how many moves? Like e- even when the Jets rumors for Rodgers were starting, like in slow motion, you could see that they were going to get Lazard and they were going to get Malik Taylor and they were going to get this guy. Like you could, yeah. it, it was natural. They didn't get Mercedes Lewis. It was like the only one. Yeah. So it's going to happen. Mercedes, Mar- and maybe Mercedes Lewis would have been better than, than CJ Ozama. Who knows? Would have been. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think we're kind of both in agreement on this one. It's not our preference by any means, but it almost feels inevitable that the Jets will make a run at him. There is a world where I'm okay with it. Like I said, if you pay him for it, there's, there's no reason you need to pay him a lot of money. Like if, if he's released, which he will be, his market is not going to be significant. The only team that makes like a ton of sense for him is the Jets because of the Rodgers connection and because they have the need. You don't need to spend a lot of money to sign him. So if you pay him a, a, a really cheap contract and he's not like you're not relying on him to definitely be your starting left tackle for the whole season, then I'm cool with it. But if they're relying on an, relying on him in any way or they pay him any sort of decent money, I'm out. Like, I just – I have no interest and I will not be happy. Uh, a guy that I think I would be a lot happier if they signed, and I don't think this is necessarily on the radar of a lot of Jets fans, but I, I feel like defensive tackle is a pretty sizable need for the Jets this offseason. Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas are both free agents. I would not be opposed to bringing either of them back. I think they're both pretty good last year. They both are coming off career years in terms of sacks. Um, but I still think, and we've talked about this in the show too, the Jets really need another beefier, bulkier run defender in the middle another of that. Another big boy, another big oh, lad. And I think the perfect type of big boy that the Jets should target is not like an Al Woods where there's such Let's a big boy. Let's not say that too often. Let's not I, make that I, like, turn. I, I really like turn. No, I, I really like saying it now. <laughs> you got me going, Mike. This is what happens. Uh, they don't need the type of big boy that Al Woods was. Al Woods was too big of a boy, all right? They don't need that. They need a big boy who can also move, all right? And the big boy that How can How long move, can we draw this metaphor out? <laughs> the big boy that can move that I'm thinking of is DJ Jones, recently of the Denver Broncos, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. He played the best football of his career with Robert Sala in the same attacking 4-3 that he had in San Francisco. I would love DJ Jones. In fact, I've been kind of pounding the table for him for the last couple of years when he was available two years ago when they moved on from Poli Patakasi. I was like, hey, DJ Jones makes perfect sense because he kind of fills that like nose tackle role. He's only like 305, 310, but he plays like more of a run-stopping one-tech defensive tackle, which Quentin Jefferson's not that. Salmon Thomas, he's more of a run defender, but he's not hes not your typical – like he doesn't have the size of your typical one-tech. Uh, DJ Jones absolutely does. And I know hes he hasn't been as great the last couple of years with the Broncos. I think he is a perfect example of somebody who thrives in Robert Sala's, uh, Robert Sala's defense and Robert Sala's scheme. I think the Broncos are going to cut him. I pulled up the numbers before. Uh, if they release him, it would save them – uh, like $10 million. So that, yeah, his cap hit next year is almost 13 million. It would save them almost, it would save them a little under 3 million or they would take on a little under 3 million in dead cap to release him. 
It's an obvious move. It seems likely that they do cut him. I would not be a surprise at all if we see a reunion in New York with Robert Sala and DJ Jones. And I think it makes a ton of sense. I like Jones. It was funny watching the Jets last year because I think like I think Solomon Thomas is a separate kind of player. He'll be back this year. I think he's I agree. Sure. I think so. He's well liked in the room. It was funny because you could see you ever see in like uh, like they have like in movies like the angel and devil on the shoulder. They can like split people's personality into two different things. Yeah. That's what it was like watching them because like literally everything Quentin Jefferson could do, Al Woods couldn't do, yeah, and vice versa. So you had to kind of pick your poison of either let's get the big giant veteran run stuffer or let's get the the smaller pass rusher guy in there. And it was very easy to exploit based on just who was in the game. Yep. Like Woods was really good when he was in the game, but he just offered next to nothing rushing the pass. Actually, nothing. Forget next to nothing. There, there, were, nothing. there were formations where they had Al Woods and Carl Lawson on the field, and it was like, oh. oh, oh. Exactly. So, but like, at least DJ <laughs> Jones. Like, DJ Jones is not going to be Justin Matabike, Quinnen Williams, no. Chris Joe getting 13 sacks. I don't think he's ever had more than, like, three in a season. But, like, there's enough That's there not- where he kind of gets home enough. And, again, he's a good run stuffer. So, as long – I keep stressing as long as it doesn't break the bank because the Jets are in such a financially precarious situation that they really got to be mindful of that. I don't want them splurging on DJ Jones right now and then they neglect other spots. I agree, and that would be the hesitation with me. If it's just a lot cheaper to bring back Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas, I don't have an issue with that. As much as I would like the Jets to improve their interior run defense, I think there are – eight other issues with this team that are probably more important. Uh, I think the defense can survive just fine with their top three defensive tackles next year being Quentin Williams, Quentin Jefferson, and Solomon Thomas. So if it if it's too much money to sign DJ Jones, I don't know what it'll be. Actually, what does oh, Spotrack spot, spot, – is it Spotrack or Spotrack? we ever confirmed which one it is? Because I don't know. Um, the the, I don't the think cap they, website is what I call it. The cap website, that's not over the cap. Uh, which over the cap <laughs> might be better. But I'm just using this for market value. Uh, they don't have his market value listed because he's not a free agent, but – he signed a three-year, $30 million contract with the Broncos a few off-seasons ago. He's 29 now. I do not think he would get that. If you sign no him to maybe like, if you sign him like a one-year, like $6 million contract, I'm cool with that. Probably going to be slightly more expensive than what Quentin Jefferson and definitely more expensive than what Solomon Thomas would get, but I think it would be worth it. So if you want to bring back – I mean, that would probably mean you maybe don't bring back Quentin Jefferson maybe unless you're paying three free agent defensive tackles. Uh, maybe you can get Solomon Thomas on a really cheap team-friendly deal because he likes playing here. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Quick question from Brian in chat, too. Clemens is a good run defender with interior possibilities, right? I felt the Jets wanted to put on more weight and play him on the interior. Uh, you can still do that and still sign DJ Jones. You can yeah. still probably play John Franklin Myers inside a little bit more and yeah. still sign this guy. Like I don't think one move precludes another, especially because, I, I mean, as, as fun as Michael Clemens is being like a big, scary – psychopath guy like he's not like a starter right now he's just a rotational player and Robert Sala loves rotational guys he he'll if he could have a team of 25 defensive linemen he would so you can you can keep adding to that yeah I'm not super high on Michael Clemens the big take that I've seen with a lot of people is well you you know you could just release John Franklin Myers and Michael Clemens will take his role and I just I've always thought that was very silly like sure they're a similar type player and they occupy a similar role in the Jets defense but that doesn't mean that that he's just gonna be able to step in and and be that guy. Uh, I don't know if they put if he put on more weight if he can hold up a defensive tackle. I don't mind you know the way that they're using him right now in that similar John Franklin Myers tweener role. But I, I don't 
I don't think that necessarily would be the solution, but it's definitely something that they have been doing and that they expect. I imagine they will continue to do. Uh, the last guy I saw you just responded to. I, I'll bring this up super quick. Let's talk about this super quick, this message here. From Joe Cat, Joe Cat on YouTube said, question for the boys, why would any pr uh, prominent, I believe is what he's trying to say, free agent come here in their prime? I feel like the league knows the staff sucks and views us as the Browns of the 90s with dysfunction. And then he also puts an addendum on that because when I said, well, Aaron Rodgers is a draw. Well, he said he couldn't pull in Green Bay through his career. Well, there's Green Bay and then there's New York. I mean. Also, wait, what? <laughs> also, what? Uh, no, I, I would say that, first of all, money talks. People say that about every team. If you pay, they're going to come. Like, it's as simple as that. If you pay, How, the how Braves, many free agents have the Jaguars signed before they got good with Trevor Lawrence? How many big correct. names did they get? A correct. bunch. That, and that being said, there is a significant appeal to playing with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So we've, we've heard so many free agents talk about it. I know the Jets weren't able to get the deal done with Odell Beckham, but he was, and not that I would have wanted this in the first place, but he was this close to signing with the Jets. And he spoke very vocally about mostly because of Aaron Rodgers. Like that's why I wanted to come That's here. why Hardman signed was Aaron Rodgers. Michael Hardman signed. That's why Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets. And again, these weren't good signings necessarily, but they're examples of prominent enough free agents who signed with the Jets. That doesn't mean that they were necessarily good ones, but that's how it goes in free agency. You're going to get a lot more misses than hits. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a concern at all uh, with the Jets. I mean, sure, you could be like, you know, they're not, they're not they're not the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, sure, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're also not the Washington Commanders. I think that the Jets have more appeal than you are given credit for. The last cap casualty that I'm going to discuss now is a wide receiver. And I know, you know, all the attentions on guys like Mike Evans and like Calvin Ridley and T Higgins and whoever else might be available this off season. One guy who I would say is almost a guarantee to be released that I haven't seen a lot of people connect to the jets at this point is Mike Williams. Uh, now with Mike Williams, you run into the exact same issues that you run into with David Bakhtiari. He's a little younger than Bakhtiari, but Man, is he had injury troubles. He only played in three games last year. I believe he tore his ACL. He's had back injuries in the past. There's a reason the Chargers are going to release him. But only 29 years old, I think stylistically, he's a perfect fit for what the Jets need as like that big-bodied X receiver that they kind of wanted Lazard to be that he's clearly not. I think he'd be an awesome compliment to Garrett Wilson if he's healthy. The question is going to be how much money does he get in free agency and are the Jets going to be willing to pay him what he's going to get. But stylistically speaking, I would love Mike Williams on the Jets. I would like Mike Williams too. He has gotten banged up. Yep. Uh, I think the Chargers, the Chargers are going to get rid of Austin Eckler because I believe only the Saints are more have more negative cap space right now uh, yep. than the Chargers. I which have is no idea, dude. Side note, I have no idea what the Saints are doing. I know that they're somehow going to figure it out, but even if they like max restructure. Yeah, everybody right? says that every year. I don't think they are no, figuring it out no, because they're no, not winning. No. This year is like the worst. Like even if they like max restructure, they're barely under the cap. I have no idea what they're gonna do. <laughs> like, they're, they're like how does screwed? Does the league just like step in and be like, or, give them like an Allen Houston amnesty clause and be like, all right, you get one f up, you could just get rid of because you can't, you can't I make do. this work. They are currently they might have 80, to do that. They are currently eighty three million dollars over the salary cap. How does that even happen? <laughs> And they haven't signed anybody yet. Like how? How? I don't get it. I, 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 I know this is. You can keep talking. Are you still paying Drew Brees? Yeah, I think so. But I, I want to look up really quick. If they max restructure here, a restructure potential. What is their restructure potential at? Be over the cap. I know this is a tangent, but I find this stuff super interesting. So if they max restructure, the most possible cap space. Okay, the most possible cap space they can actually still have is thirty-seven million, which. 
is a lot. I mean, unless you compare it to every other team in the NFL. Uh, and that's if they max restructure absolutely everybody. Simple restructures, um, possible cap space is actually 29. All right, they're okay. Wow. Chargers, if they simple restructure, they are still $19 million over the cap. So, yeah. They're getting terms, rid of everybody. In terms of Mike Evans, he's gone. Like he's under. I think he's under the cap for thirty-two million dollars next year. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. Eckler's <laughs> gone. Yeah, I'm assuming they're probably going to draft a guy like a Brock Bowers early on, where even though he's a tight end, like it's another pass catcher they can replace him with. Be, ah, they shouldn't do that. Dude. Oh, they like, should absolutely do that. Oh, no, like they have like no. <laughs> my take. My take about drafting tight ends that high. Like I, I think people have raised this argument. I think it's a really good point. Your margin for error is so razor thin because if you're drafting a, top, a tight end in the top five, they're already like a top five highest paid tight end in the NFL. Yeah, okay. but their second contract is much cheaper. Yeah, but you're already paying a guy top five in his position. You don't know he's going to be that great. Yeah, but if you're drafting a guy five, you imagine he's probably going to probably gonna get a second contract out of that. Is Kyle Pitts worthy of a top five tight end contract in the NFL right now? I don't think so. Not the way he's being used in Atlanta. Well, yeah, but th- then also like when you get a second contract – you're not paying $20 million for a receiver. You're playing half of that for a guy who could be just as effective. But yeah, anyway, that's a separate. That's, that's a tangent. I would love to have that conversation. That, 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 that's a debate for another day. The Chargers are getting rid of Mike Williams. Uh, I like it. I just, he is banged up. And with Scott, I know he's big, but he's a vertical guy and there's speed there. And you just wonder if the speed's going to go eventually. Uh, he's never really been, I mean, he's always been kind of a number two receiver. So I guess he would fit yeah. that sort of role next to Garrett Wilson. So he's used to that, but there's just something about, it just seems like they're just pat, they just pulled the pin out of a grenade and they're going, all right, Jets, here's Mike Williams. And they go, Oh, thank you. And then like Daffy yeah. duck, it just blows up in their face and their mouths on the back of their head. And they're like, what the hell even happened here? Isn't, isn't that an analogy for 90% of free agency though? Isn't that kind of what free no. agency is? No, <laughs> these guys are free agents for a reason, man. Like you're just well, trying to find financial reasons because they can't afford it. Like Mike Williams, I feel like yeah. even though they got so much to, they got so much over the cap. With a guy like you know, new coach Justin Herbert got a win with Herbert in his prime. I feel like if they wanted to keep him, they really would. If they were in a better, even if they were in a better cap situation, like he's got thirty, he's thirty-two million dollars on the cap next year. Like I know they could restructure, push money to the future, whatever. I, I don't think he's worth that. I w- I think even if he was healthier, they would have still. The NFL is great because the guy who put the Chargers that far over the cap just got the Raiders job, Tom Telesco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Telesco. That's so rare for a GM to get a second opportunity to. That is – In his own division. Yeah, that is incredible. After screwing up the, the other the guy. Yeah. Pray for uh, Raiders, man. So those are guys you could target. Uh, we're going to go and end with our weekly draft spotlight. Uh yeah. There's been a lot of Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, bigger deep threat talk today. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who probably compares to Marquez Valdez Scantling at his best. And we saw his best in Green Bay, led the league 21 yards a catch one year. And this is a guy who could be that. And that's Tez Walker, who plays for North Carolina right now. Uh, here, there are a couple, I don't want to say red flags, but like, I don't know, magenta flags or. Sure. Or, or, uh, Maroon, what what's that called? Chartreuse? That's like a Chart- green, right? Chartreuse. Yeah, I don't think I think it'd be like Chartreuse uh, is like vomit color, right? I guess. Chartreuse is uh I don't know, man. Chartreuse is yeah, yeah. Chartreuse is like yellowish green. That's gross. All right, let's call it that. Because oh. <laughs> it's the color of vomit. There are a couple minor concerns 
okay. surrounding uh, Tez sure. Walker. Number one, you're pretty much drafting him off an eight-game stretch because he did. He got screwed. He kind of got screwed because he was going to transfer from Kent State to North Carolina. They denied his transfer waiver. Eventually, they relented. He only really got eight games in. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, he's playing with Drake May. And Drake May, I think, is going to be a franchise quarterback for whoever takes him. That's going to inflate your numbers and your production no matter what. And on top of that, too, he's he was basically only a deep threat last year. And even then, on a limited route tree, there were concentration drops. There were issues with precise route running. Like, he really was only at his best when he was just streaking down the field with his clothes on, but running a streak say, yeah. <laughs> down the field, a, a fully clothed Tez Walker. But <laughs> the potential is there in that he's got probably going to be one of those guys who blows up the combine. Uh, he's going to run fast. He's going to jump high. He's going to really just make himself known there. Uh, I finally finished my grade on Tez Walker. I kind of got like an early three on him. There are a couple guys I like better than him, like you know, Xavier Leggett and Roman Wilson, but without a second-round pick, it's tough for the Jets to add him. If they want a guy early third who's going to be a little bit raw, so this is, again, you got to put trust in Sean Jefferson. So he's going to be raw, and he's not going to help on a lot of the shorter routes. But, again, that's why you have Garrett Wilson is he's kind of the main guy for underneath stuff, and then you take the top off with Tez Walker, I guess how it would ideally go. So if he hits, though, you're looking at 1,000 yards because there's just so yeah. much talent there. There's just so much talent. Rookie year is probably going to – this is where people get that whole all-in drafting. Rookie year is probably going to be rough for him because it's going to be a huge adjustment going from North Carolina, which was Chip Lindsey, which is kind of like a Phil Longo adjacent. It's not Phil Longo, but it's adjacent where it's very wide open – not NFL route tree, there's going to be some growing pain. So if you don't want to draft a receiver who's probably not going to be the biggest year one contributor, then I, I have no problems with the Jets taking them off their board. But if you're drafting on potential, this is the guy I think you want in round three. I, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but I am an extremely casual Kent State football fan solely because I had a dynasty with them in NCAA 14. And you you, you and the other Kent State fan have been in for some rough times. Yeah, go Ooh, Golden Flash. I ended up winning a national championship in like 2033 in my NCAA 14 uh, franchise, Dynasty, whatever. So go Golden Flash. I always hated those Dynasty modes. People are going to come after me for that. Like, I just like playing I just like playing the games. I hate how there had to be, you had to go through like 10 other different factors and menu things before you actually play the football part of the football game. Oh, my good Mike. You're I know it's sacrilege, but like call me crazy. I'm not mad to do that, not let – random number generators tell me if I'm going to recruit this guy or not. Then, just then play, you're just playing with an algorithm at that point. Then play, play exhibition. I don't know. Play an exhibition game. The fun and dynasty is all of it combined. Uh, but all of that being said, I watched some Devontae Walker at Kent State because dude is absolutely electric. You're right. Uh, I think like I feel like I get some shades of Jalen Waddle in his game when it turns when it comes to like that deep explosiveness. And he's, I, he's I, a little bigger though, when he's not that as fat. No one's is, as fast as Waddle, in, but he's a little bigger I, than him too. But in terms of the deep level, it's like the the deep explosiveness, the downfield threat. Like you get that. Uh, Bleach Report has a has a really good comparison that I, that I like when I was looking up before we started the show. Mike Wallace is their pro comparison, and I think if he hits. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for because he's got the same look. You disagree? He's got that same. No, speed. no, like yeah, I can kind of see it. Like yeah, yeah, he's got that same long speed. Obviously, he's going to be pretty raw coming into the first season. He doesn't really have a, a a large route tree, and I think that would lean me or that would lead me to prefer guys like 
you know, a lad McConkie who I've talked about in the past or someone else who I think can contribute earlier on than Devontae Walker. But if you trust your optical coaching staff, which I don't, but if they trust their optical coaching staff to develop him into a player, like into a player who can contribute, absolutely. I think he, I think even so, year one, he's still out there as your wide receiver four, and you're just sending him deep, and you're at least – you have to keep the defense honest with him on the field. I, 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 he you is essentially – Rodgers like, who can actually do it as opposed to correct. Zach Wilson. Correct. And I think that that's important to have that element in the Jets' offense because – Outside of Garrett Wilson, they don't really have anybody that can do that, and that's not even Garrett Wilson's, like, I would never say that that's his big, biggest strength is his downfield verticality. Not that he can't do that, but that's not – when I think of Garrett Wilson, I'm not saying that he's a downfield vertical receiver. He can do it all. Uh, but you want somebody that can kind of keep the defense honest, and I think Devontae Walker is probably one of the best deep threats in this class. So I was just thinking back to it, though, before you get to your guy. When was the last time the Jets drafted, like, a day-two receiver and it worked? Oh, Oh God, dude! I, Brad Smith was he a date? Was he dead? Was he was round four? He was fourth right? round, and that was and he. He wasn't even as a receiver. That was like he was like a you know kick returner wildcatty. I, mean, you know. I think I think Elijah Moore is a quality player. Obviously, it didn't work out with the Jets, but I think he's a quality enough player. Um, yeah, looking back, a day two receiver. I'm gonna keep yeah, scrolling. Like second, third round. There's so many Ardarius well, so Stewart many, and Stephen Hills yeah. and stuff. And, there's so many second round busts, like an unbelievable amount of second round busts. Jericho Cotter was fourth round, so not him. Uh, I mean, Santana Moss was first round in terms of day two receiver. I'm going back to the nineties here. I'm still going. Uh, I do. I have absolutely no idea. Cause I'm seeing, so I don't even know who's Ryan Yarborough. I don't even know who that is. Uh, Wasn't he, isn't he a pitcher? Ryan Yarborough. I have no idea, but there was a receiver to Jets right after the 1994. Oh, here we go. 2000 Lavernius Coles with a third round pick. Oh, I missed him. Oh yes. I, I missed him. Cause there's four first round picks. Obviously. Yes. Lavernius Coles, 2000. That's the last time the Jets drafted a day two receiver and it worked out. Coles, shout out Coles, really good player. But yeah, I it would be it would be an extreme departure from the norm if the Jets had the receiver in the third round and it worked out. But hey, you got to keep swinging. You got to keep keep swinging. I've talked about receivers the last two draft spotlights we've done, so I'm going to shift to a different position this time. Another position that the Jets should be targeting, and a position that the Jets obviously need. I'm going back to the offensive line, but I'm not talking about an offensive tackle because. I don't think it's necessarily a lock that they have to draft the tackle. I can see a scenario where they move Elijah Vera Tucker out to tackle, maybe even move Tipman to guard, perhaps to pave the way for someone like Oregon's Jackson Powers Johnson. Uh, he was one of the, the standouts from the senior bowl. Big, powerful dude. He has experience playing all three interior O-line spots. I believe he started at right guard in 2022. Became Oregon's full-time center in 2023. He's a big guy, especially for a center. 6'3", 320 pounds. At least that's what he's listed as. Uh, in his only year as a full-time starting center, he was a unanimous All-American. Won the, won the Remington Trophy, which is given to the nation's best center. Uh, and this was pretty absurd when I was looking up some, some stats from him. Uh, this, this is via PFF. So not only did he not allow a single sack in three collegiate seasons in 32 career games, he allowed four pressures, Mike, four total pressures in 32 college games. They also that's, had Bo Nix getting the ball out of there in three quarters of a second every care. play. That's absurd. Not a single sack, one QB hit, four In a major pressures. conference, too. In a major conference. There's a reason this guy was unanimous All-American and that he won the Remington Trophy. Big dude, and despite his size, he obviously he's a really good run blocker. He's a mauler in the run game, probably one of the strongest players in this class. But he also moves very well, so much so that I'd probably say athleticism and mobility are, are two of his strengths. He has that blend of size and athleticism. The one thing you don't get with him, physicality, is he doesn't have great length, but we're not asking the guy to play on an island at left tackle. He's probably going to be a center at the next level. He doesn't need to have 
the longest of arms. He's that's that's not necessarily that's ne not necessary for the position. Uh, like I was saying at the beginning, I don't hate the idea of moving Tittman to right guard if you want to have Powers Johnson at, at center because Tittman, I think, played some of his best football, if not the best football that he played last year at guard. He also had some some snapping issues as well. I don't hate that. And then you can move Vera Tucker to right tackle. I think it, it makes much more sense to move Vera Tucker to right tackle because I'm not sure you'll be able to add two starting caliber tackles in one offseason. So I don't hate the idea of drafting Jackson Powers Johnson. Yes, you're moving some guys around, uh, but I, I think that you just want to add good players. Now, realistically, you probably have to trade down to get him. You're not going to take him at 10, obviously. He's probably going somewhere in that 25 to 50 range. So my guess would be like early second round is probably where he's going to end up going. So either they recoup a second round pick somewhere else, they move down in the first round to the back half of the, of the first round, Either way, I would love Jackson Powers Johnson on the Jets. I'm not sure it's going to perfectly work out because of where he's projected, but I think he's a good fit. He reminds me of – I'm going to reopen some old wounds for Jets oh, yeah. fans when I bring this name up, but uh, when Tyler Linderbaum was coming out of Iowa, remember people were like, take him at four? Remember that, that crap? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you remember now, that? Now, granted, he's really, really good he uh, is with really the Ravens. Uh, the problem, though, is – with Lynn, it with, well, not the problem, right? He reminds me of a good way of Linderbaum or when the Cowboys took Travis Frederick, where he's going to go to a team where they're like, oh, we're chasing a championship, but we drafted a center, and then he just starts for 10 years and he's really good. Or like, the, like Creed Humphrey. Humphrey. He was good. He was good every single year. Yeah. Like a, like a Creed Humphrey situation. Creed Humphrey was at least later, too. I'm not about like a first round guy. Like True. True. JPJ could be a guy like that. I see very little like to find fault with him as a pass protector. The senior bowl kind of confirmed a lot of the things that I thought. Even even before the senior bowl, he was not regarded as a first-round prospect. He nope. shot up after that. Yep. Uh, I was a little higher on him than most. I haven't finalized my grade for him, but I'm glad that a lot of my positive thoughts about him have been kind of validated. The concern I have is I'm kind of getting sick of the Jets just moving everybody around. This I guy, play, I know Roberts always said, put your best five out there, but Tittman went from center to guard to center to guard, and Vera Tucker, guard to tackle to guard to tackle, other side. It's like Be Becton, right tackle, left tackle, back again. Like, can we just pick a position and stick with it? It's not like Madden or NCAA Kent State Dynasty when you just put the right tackle to left tackle and functionally it's identical. Like, that's a whole different move set. It's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different set of things you got to consider. Like, Totally different. I, I don't want to do that. So I wouldn't want to move Tipman, who I thought was the best rookie far and away last year. And I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be Randall McDaniel, but he's certainly gonna be a pretty solid starter for a very long time in this league. I don't want to keep moving and messing him around just to get Powers Johnson. But having said all that, purely on a fit point of view, it's like the Will McDonald pick where I wouldn't love the fit necessarily, but I just like the prospect too much right. to really have a ton of fault with them picking Jackson Powers Johnson. Well, I think that I've convinced Brian in chat because he said, you've sold me. Give me JPJ to pair with ABT. Let's go. That's, yeah. If anything else, you have another hyphenated name. Uh, on only, the only hyphenated names here. You go JPJ, you get ABT. Who else? What are there? Are there any other offensive linemen with hyphenated names that I'm not thinking of? That they can we can do, like, I th he's not an offensive lineman, but if you want to do, like, Michael Penix Jr. and then MPJ. Okay, sure. Or they get MPJ is kind of like, it makes me think of Michael Porter Jr. Um, wow. But they can go and get, like, I don't, know, I don't know why the first one that came to mind was Nick Westbrook at Kinney, but they didn't sign him. Why? Yeah, I, 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 back in my day, when I was at the Shrine Bowl, he was just Nick Westbrook. 
Yeah, I remember that. I remember when he was just Nick Westbrook. Yeah. yeah and then I remember I didn't hear anything about him. And then it just Nick Westbrook and Keenan makes the catch. I'm like, who? Where did, when he, did he, he have? When did he come up? Where did he go to school again? Was it Auburn? That was, was Indiana he went to. Indiana. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I. I, 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 I drain third round. Cedric Van Pran Granger, another alignment from Georgia. There you go. Perfect. Um, he's got three hyphenated names because it's Van Pran Granger. So he's got three. That That's too much power. I understand the concern um, with moving guys around, and I get that. And that's not also something that I love uh, the Jets doing. The counter argument to that, the counterpoint would just be you want to have as much versatility in the offensive line as possible, given how many injuries that they've had over the last two years. I like that Jackson Powers Johnson has experience playing all three interior line spots. Joe Tippmann can play guard and center. I think it's important to have guys like that. If they bring back McGovern or Schweitzer, they could also both do that, not necessarily at a super high level but they can do it. I think versatility is important because just knowing how this Jets O-line operates and how, the, how many injuries they end up having, whether it's Keith Carter, whether it's the turf, whatever it is, that's probably going to be a thing that happens. <laughs> yes, Ryan and chat, get GVR and LDT back for more three initial O-linemen. Yes, Greg Van Rotten. Uh, or is, I always, is Greg Van Roten, right? Greg Van Roten. I think it's yeah, rot, Rotten. That, um, uh, it's that, Greg Van Roten. I don't know why. I can never remember. That what just it is. brings me to Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols whenever I hear that. Sure. I said it right when he was on a team, and now that he's gone, I forget. And then Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, uh, sure, yes, give me all the three initial uh, offensive linemen to pair with Elijah Barrett Tucker. I think that'd be great. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily something that I love them having to do that, but I love the versatility. I love the player, and if they do move back in the first round, he was so, he is someone that I'd keep an eye on for sure. And I think we're going to call it for this episode of the Jet Press. Very in-depth one, a lot of stuff on our plate. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, YouTube, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. YouTube at the Jet Press. That's where we are on the digital webs. And we really appreciate a like, really appreciate a good review on Apple Podcasts. Again, that's for algorithm stuff. That's not to massage our enormous inflated egos. It is just for the business end of things. So if you want to support the show, that's a good way to do it. I'll leave the signing off to Mr. Justin Freed. I didn't like the way you said massage. I didn't like like, that term before. No, but I massage ego is one thing, but you were like massage our enormous egos. And I'm like, Hey man, what's going on here? Okay. That's your fault. for thinking (laughs) like that. Your mind's still on the woodies. The woodies. We got to bring them back. Uh, This always happens. What a revolting display we got going on here. We got to bring back the big boy woodies. Thanks, dude. Things go off the rails. You're doing all of this, by the way. This is you doing. Anybody who sticks around to the end of the show, it always goes off the rails right at the end. <laughs> uh, appreciate everybody for listening in. We are flying through the offseason, dude. Next week is going to be our last show in February. The Combine's coming up next week, so we'll be talking about that. And then soon enough, got a couple more weeks until free agency is here. It is. It is. Uh, we are flying through the, or through the offseason right now. But we appreciate everyone stopping by and always tuning in to listen to us just ramble about the Jets and talk about some nonsense. As always, thank you all for listening. Listening, Thank you all for joining us on the show today. Good God, man. You can follow Mike on Twitter. Dude, at Mike. Get into you the last minute. Dude, it's, it is, it's a mess. <laughs> I, got, I got to get some sleep. I don't know. I'm tired. Uh, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. Follow Jeff Press on the Jeff Press. Download the Jeff Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jeff Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. I'm going to go get some rest. And we'll see you guys next week. Much needed. We'll see you guys next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.